This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Up away at it on the wall. It's taken back by Yoki Hayus. He got it across ice. Cousin shot right on the score. Casey, Casey at the back, Casey Middlestad hammers it home, and Buffalo wins it in overtime. There's your final goal call from Rick Jenneret, and what a way to finish, to go out on a game-winning goal in, as Rick says, overtime. 3-2 Buffalo winning it. That's the play of the game brought to you by Seneca Sports Lounge. You can bet on Buffalo with Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Back here at KeyBank Center where the majority of the 16,000 are still here. And you might be able to even hear the chant, thank you, RJ, as he's continuing now to walk down a nice level and taking some pictures and shaking hands with some of the fans that have been out on the ice to get the jersey off the back. Pretty cool scene right now with the fans chanting, thank you, RJ. 3-2 Buffalo wins it. We're going to get a draft update from back in our studios in just a moment. The Bills have made their second-round draft pick. Uh, But while we get to that, let's first get into our moments and highlights of the game. They're brought to you by Jim Stakeout, celebrating 40 years of mouth-watering hoagies and chicken finger subs. Buffalo down 1-0, entering the third. Tage Thompson, one of the stories of the season. Tying things up at 416 with his 38th goal of the year. Got it along the wards to Samuelson. Thompson tried to get it back again. It's kept in the Skinner. He cleared it in front of the crease. They score! James Thompson. There he is. That baby is home. And it's a tie game at one. James Thompson strikes again. Beautiful goal from Tage, but the setup from Skinner even better. Beautiful slick pass through the crease, tying things up at 1-4-16 into period three. Chicago, though, comes back at 9-33, taking the lead, courtesy of Dylan Strom with his 22nd of the season. But then, just minutes after Tokarski stopped Lafferty on a breakaway to keep it a 2-1 game, Buffalo tying things up. Owen Power, his second of his career. Payne couldn't get it out of there. He gets another try, but the Sabres break it up and keep it in with a shot. Payne At 14-22, Owen Power second. Rick gets a Owen Power goal call. Very nice. 2-2 the score. Going to overtime. Extra time for RJ to give us 
One last final goal call. Here's the game winner once again from Casey Middlestad. Slap away at it on the wall. It's taken back by Yoki Haryus. He got it across ice. Cousins shot right on the score. Casey. Casey at the back. Casey Middlestad hammers it home. And Buffalo wins it in overtime. 2.07 into the extra session. Middlestat with his sixth from Cousins and Yoki Haru. 3-2 Buffalo, the score, and that is your game winner right there. Sabres in overtime. How about this? They outshoot the Blackhawks 5 to nothing. Outshoot them in the game 36 to 21. Power plays both teams 0 for the night. Sabres 0 for 3. Chicago 0 of 2. Tokarski is star number three with the win. Power with a goal, star number two. Middlestat with the game winner. He is star number one in front of an announced crowd here at KeyBank Center of 16,505. Buffalo season comes to an end. They finish with a 32, 39, and 11 record. 75 points for the Sabres. All right, locker room reaction coming up. Don Granado. However, we are aware the NFL draft's going on, too. We're going to go back to our flagship station right now, bring in Joe DiBiase. You may hear him, of course, on his show, Extra Point, weekdays, 10 to noon, also part of the Chopin Bulldog show in the afternoon. Well, Joe, since we last chatted in the second intermission, the Bills have made a choice. After a couple trade backs, they finally get a running back. They do. James Cook out of Georgia. And, Brian, this is the perfect type of running back, I think, for their offense, a pass-heavy offense. This is not a Zach Moss type like they took in the third round a couple years ago who was more of a bruiser, physical running back. Cook is dynamic. He is elusive. He is fast. He catches passes. He can split out wide. If you look up his highlight reel, you'll see touchdowns of him lined up outside against defensive backs and getting open and scoring. This is uh, when, when you talk about running back and you think of weapon types. We had this debate last year with Travis Etienne for the Bills in the first round. They never got the chance to even decide whether or not they wanted him. That's to me what this type of player is for the Bills. It's just a weapon that they can split out, they can throw it to out of the backfield, or they could just give it to on a bubble screen and just watch him go. I love this. I love the style of player the Bills got if they were going to pick a running back here. Yeah, you're, you're talking about his versatility, not only as a runner, but as a, as a pass catcher as well. Who, who yeah. does he kind of remind you of, Joe? I kind of want to stop short. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm in. I'm in the. I'm workshopping it right yeah. now. I, I, I'm workshopping the comparison because the guy that keeps coming into my mind for James Cook is Alvin Kamara, but that's. I mean, that's so lofty. I mean, he is as dynamic, elusive, and well versed of running back as you're going to find in the NFL. So to me, that's kind of the style of player that James Cook is. That's a lofty expectation and comparable to put on him because Kamara again is one of the best running backs in football. But honestly, like that's the first guy I think of when I watch James Cook and think about the type of player he is. Yeah. Jody Biasi back in our Amherst studios. Brian Colesiel here at KeyBank Center. Sabres win in overtime 3-2 to two on Casey Middlestat's goal. We'll have locker room reaction coming up. Don Granado's postgame comments too, but we're speaking with Jody Biasi on the NFL draft. Okay, so a couple of trades, Joe. Yeah. Twice, actually. One with Tampa, one with Cincinnati. So what does that mean now with the extra picks that the Bills have accumulated? So what it means is the Bills now have not one, not two, not three, four <laughs> six-round picks 
They picked up two moving back three spots with the Buccaneers from 57 to 60, and then they picked up another six-round pick from Cincinnati to move back another couple of spots. So I'm wondering, though, about when they're up at 89, and we're currently on the clock at 72 to Seattle in round three, any one of these picks here, will the Bills look to move up for a receiver, which I'm still thinking about, and there has been 13 receivers that have gone off the board. They have not. The board has not fell right for them to pick that position. But, Brian, like, last year this happened. Last year they lost seventh-round pick. Um, oh, who is the who's the tackle they lost? Uh, they, they lost a seventh-round tackle, Anderson, Jack Anderson, because they didn't have room on the roster. They lost a sixth-round r- rookie corner in Rashad Wild Goose because they didn't have room on the roster. Frankly, the Bills, they don't have room on the roster for all these guys. They don't have room on the roster for four sixth-round guys and a seventh-round guy. They just don't. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on them packaging a couple of those sixth and moving up maybe from the fifth round. They don't have a fourth-round pick. Maybe they want to get back into the play in the fourth round. But I'd be stunned if they made all four of those sixth-round picks. It just seems nuts that they would do that. Yeah, so now we're in early round three. Bills are picking 25th in the round, 89th overall. Yeah. Uh, still a little ways to go here. We're, on, uh, we're only on pick eight of 25 we're here in round still three. Still waiting on those quarterbacks. Yeah, was, is nothing. it still just Kenny Pickett? Is that it so it, far? Yeah, nothing. No Malik Willis. Uh, no Desmond Ritter. No nothing. And honestly, I think that contributed to the Bills not being, not even having the possibility of grabbing a receiver in round two. Because I, but by the time you get through 57 picks, you were probably hoping that there'd be four or five quarterbacks off the board that would push some other positional players back. And there were three receivers that went off the board right before the Bills at 57. And maybe had four quarterbacks gone, they would have been able to get their hands on one of them. For those, uh, Joe, that may be in their cars now uh, coming out of the arena here from the Sabres game, uh, I know there was talk, of course, how the Bills were going to take a – or how the Bills were thinking of maybe yeah. a running back. We know James Cook was the pick. But earlier, for fans that may want to know about the Iowa State running back, Brees Hall, yeah. uh, the Jets continue to take some big names in this draft. Yeah, fourth pick of the th- of the second round, the Jets grab Brees Hall out of Iowa State, who I, you, you were going to have a hard time finding anybody that didn't have him as their number one running back in the class. Uh, I, it, listen, if the Jets are thinking they're going to get a star running back out of this, they're probably right. They have a lot of holes on their roster. Now they're starting to fill more and more of them. Three first-round picks yesterday, so it's a little bit more stomachable uh, than picking a running back early in round two like they did. Um, but the value is still a bit of a question. So they're getting a star running back, but, man, when you do it early in round two like that, when you got some of their holes, uh, we'll, we'll see how it turns out for them because they better hope that Zach Wilson takes a small step forward. Because if it doesn't, none of these picks will matter, including that running back position. But Hall, I think, Hall's a stud. I think Hall's going to be a really good running back for the Jets. And probably, honestly, Brian, look around the division right now. He's probably immediately the best running back in the division, in the AFC East. Yeah. Is there a player on the board that you're still stunned? I know you mentioned Malik Willis. Is, yeah. there, is there anybody else that you're like, I can't believe... He's still there. Real quick, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati, did just get picked. Third round to the Atlanta Falcons. So we have our second quarterback off the board uh, there. Um, you know, I, I think Isaiah Spiller. 
And that kind of goes back to the Bills picking James Cook. I think a lot of people maybe thought Spiller was going to be the third running back taken in this draft behind Kenneth Walker, who went to the Seahawks in round two, and then Brees Hall. So I'll stick with running back here and go with Isaiah Spiller because I thought he was going to sneak his way into the second round. I thought for a time during the, the college football season he'd be the first running back that got picked. And he's going to end up being the fourth guy, maybe even the fifth guy after the fact. Um, he He's the first name that really jumps off the page for me. Oh, but I hold on. He is surprising to me. Nicobe Dean. Nicobe yeah. Dean. I mean, he was a first-round pick in most people's book. Uh, the inside linebacker out of Georgia, and he's still sitting here at pick 74. Okay. All right, Joe, we know you're monitoring it. We are expecting locker room sound here any moment from KeyBank Center, so uh, right. we'll, you jump in if we have a trade or anything. But as of this moment, the Bills with one pick here in round number three, and uh, we'll be going back and forth here before we say goodnight from KeyBank Center. All right, 15 picks away. We'll, uh, we'll keep you updated. Okay, thank you, Joe. Joe DiBiase back in our Amherst studios on our flagship station on WGR. Player interviews we expect coming up here in just a moment on Fan Appreciation Night. Uh, celebration for RJ for sure, 51 years of broadcasting. Pretty impressive resume, no doubt. Uh, and what a way to end it on an overtime winner uh, for the Sabres, Casey Middlestat scoring and uh, Rick with his patented overtime drawn out getting a chance to do it very cool hey there's two other names that also have worked very hard behind the scenes up here that we want to give a shout out to Cliff Smith uh, NHL statistician game time keeper he's worked the penalty box he's been a goal judge he's been up here uh, working for the league he has worked for 45 seasons and uh, this season was his last so uh, congratulations to Cliff Smith I know a lot of the other fellow scorekeepers and statisticians up here uh, were uh, kind of had a little get-together after last Saturday's game after the Islanders to honor Cliff. So congratulations on a great career. Also, Jimmy McCoy from the Buffalo News, photographer, 39 years that he has been working. The Sabres before the game tonight gave him uh, a little gift. I think it was a jersey downstairs uh, in the media room. So uh, three legends for sure in their craft. RJ, Cliff Smith, Jim McCoy, congratulations I mean, look at the tenure of work, 51 years, 45 years, 39 years. If you're doing anything for that long, uh, a profession of that matter, congratulations to those three uh, in terms of just their excellent work being a part of, obviously, uh, Sabre broadcasts and and covering the Sabres here. Three to the final. Uh, Again, we'll be checking in with Joe throughout the the next few minutes here about the NFL draft, if anything kind of happens with the Bills with any sort of move. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Now, there was meaningful hockey games going on tonight, which really now we can see who's going to play who. Um, there's about a minute to go in New York, and the Lightning are up 5-3 on the Islanders. So with the Lightning winning, they will face Toronto in the first round. So that's a juicy first-round matchup, Toronto or Tampa. Either the Leafs will get bounced again in the first round or – the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Lightning, will be out in the first round. So whoever loses there, that'll be a major, major disappointment. We'll get you caught up to date on the rest of the scores here. Let's go down to the room. Casey Middlestad had the game winner. He's now speaking live with the media. In overtime. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I think you said it well. It wasn't easy at some points. I think uh, kind of had a hard-fought one last night, and it was, it was tough for us. So, um you know, I think that kind of sums up the whole year for us. Um, didn't have it probably in the first two periods. In the third, we just we came out, we played hard, stuck together, and um, pretty proud to be a part of a group like that. Can you just describe, I mean, 
What, what's going through your head when you see that puck cross the line? I mean, obviously that the crowd was really into it the entire night. And the whole place erupted. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh boy, I don't even know what was going through my head. Um, it's a good way to end the year, I think. Uh, obviously, there's been some up and down for for everyone, and um, it's a great way to end the year. Great way to end it for RJ and. Um, yeah, I mean, because we, we were talking, we're pretty proud to be his uh, last call. Basically, you talk about memorable moments during the uh, year, being that it's the end of the year. What was your most memorable moment? Um, you know, there's a few. I think probably probably the biggest one, I think, for most guys would be uh, the outdoor game, obviously. Um, just such a good atmosphere and um, – there's a lot. RJ, RJ's first night, I guess. We can call this his second night. So, um, yeah, there's so many memorable moments. I think we have such a special group of guys. And um, like I said earlier, I'm just so proud of how we stuck together the whole year and proud to be a part of the group. Was that really that feeling, guys, just want to keep this going? They're disappointed the season's over. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, this is uh, obviously easily the, the most sad I've been to, to see a season go. And, like I said, we have such a good group of guys, and we've had so much fun this year, and we've grown so much together. I mean, I can look around the room. I'm, I'm proud of so many guys, and um, I don't want to be a broken record, but just just proud to be a part of the group. What do you think about Malcolm Subban's national anthem? <laughs> oh, well, at first I heard he was going to record it, so I was pretty impressed when he stepped up and did it live, and I don't have the balls to do that, so that was <laughs> that was extremely impressive. And um there was a recording going around. I tried not to listen to it to see uh, what it would sound like live, and he's he's good. I I did not expect that. I was I was really impressed, and obviously, it takes some courage to stand up in front of that many people and and sing. Kyle's always been a mentor to you. You've talked about that many times. To see him get the Rick Martin Award, which means a lot because Rick was an icon with the Sabers. That had to be a proud moment for you, knowing that Kyle's been your mentor. Yeah, I mean. It was a great video tribute, and I um, still don't think it does him justice. Uh, I mean, he's been everyone's rock. It's crazy. I didn't know one guy can take so many guys under under his wing and, and show them the way, and obviously uh, I've been with Kyle for four years, five years maybe now, so um, he's always been there for me, and he's always been there for everyone. I, I wish there was better words to say to describe how much he means to us, but um, he's just the rock of the team. Thanks, guys. All right, there's Casey Middlestat with some really nice words about his teammate Kyle Oposo calling him the rock of the team and a, a well-deserved award for Oposo, winning the Rick Martin Award uh, before the game tonight. Uh, he also, of course, you know, said that it was a great video tribute, but he still thinks it doesn't do him justice that he's been with Kyle four or five years now, and he's always been there for me. So a cool moment there for Oposo and for Middlestat. And for the Sabres on Fan Appreciation Night. Uh, the Sabres this year, if you think about this season, that for the most part we knew was not going to have playoffs. But there has been a handful of moments. And the Sabres have, I think, risen to the occasion each time, which I think is a good sign. Let's start with our, the outdoor game. That was something that they came through big on. They played well on an international stage. How about the return of Jack Eichel that night? The building's packed for really the first time all season. They come through with one of their best performances of the year. Then the sellout night for a Rick Jenneret banner-raising night. 
against Nashville. They come through with a really, really solid performance in a 4-3 win over the Predators. Then a night like tonight where, again, almost close to a sellout crowd, final game, fan appreciation night, and they come up big. So they've been big so far. Speaking of big, Tage Thompson, the biggest of all goal scorers. Here he is now live. Uh, describe uh, what that game was like for you guys. Yeah, it was um, obviously I think we fought it a little bit um, and just fighting the puck and um, a little sloppy at times, but obviously not every game is going to be pretty and um, good teams got to find a way to win. And um, tonight I think we just feed it, uh, fed off the energy of the crowd and each other on the bench. I don't think there's anyone that didn't think we were going to come back and win that. And um, I think that's just the reason there is just the uh, the character we have in our group. Not only to win RJ's finale, but to, to come back twice late and that, that score in overtime. I mean, it, it almost seems fitting. I mean, how, how meaningful is this one? Yeah, of course. I mean, it feels great to win, obviously. And to make that night that much more special for RJ, I think we owed it to, to him, obviously, and <clears throat> to all the fans that, that came out tonight. And, um, you know, I think we, we took it to heart. We didn't want to let let RJ or, or the crowd down. And um, I think that's uh, just because of the, the passionate guys we got in the, on the group. What was, it, what was it like, I mean, in the moments leading up to that overtime goal, just watching the play unfold? And, I mean, because you guys were dominating possession the entire overtime. Yeah, I thought uh, we had a lot, of, a lot of good extended possession time in overtime there and um, a lot of one 50-50 puck battles that allowed us to extend that, that possession. And obviously, um, you know, Cuzzy flies down the wall there. And, um, you know, Mitzi's just going hard to the net and gets rewarded. So it was uh, obviously a good feeling. Every time you've had the bigger crowds, you guys have won. Do you have you guys fed off it? And, and when you've had those big crowds, because they've been so loud and they've been so much behind you. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, the energy. Obviously, everyone on the bench feels it, and um, you know you start to build a couple shifts, and the crowd starts to to get into it, and you, you feel that energy. You hear the hear the crowd, and it uh, it just pumps you up, and uh, I think it gives us that extra little push, and um, I think they're a big big reason why we won tonight. Tage, congratulations on 38 goals this season. I know it's the off season. What do you feel like you're going to work on during the off season that's going to elevate you even more? I think uh, just continuing to, to do what I've been doing the past summers. Um, just I think the main thing is just uh, having that mentality of not, not being satisfied. Just continue to be hungry and um, strive for more. And um, I think as long as I keep that attitude, I think uh, you know the work I put in um, should see the results. So. AJ asked Casey the same question. What did you think of Malcolm Saban's national anthem? Unreal. Um, we always hear him sing around in the locker room, so we've uh, we've been pushing for it for a long time. I know he's uh, pretty nervous, but um, I thought he killed it. Um, that definitely fired everyone up for the game, and I know the crowd loved it. And um, the guy's got some good pipes, so it's cool. All right, All right. Thanks, All right there's Tage Thompson. Yes, Malcolm Subban does have some good p- pipes, some impressive performance there with the national anthem. Back up here to the press box, Brian Colsey with you on the postgame. 3-2 Buffalo over Chicago. Don Granado still coming up here uh, as the Sabres win it by a 3-2 score. We'll also get a couple of quick thoughts from Paul Hamilton before we turn things over to full-time NFL draft coverage. At this moment, we're going to say goodbye to all of our local affiliates. If you want to keep listening to the postgame, go to WGR550.com or you can listen in on the Odyssey app. For all of you on WGR, more postgame coming up. Don Granado, Paul Hamilton. We'll get back to Joe DiBiase with the NFL Draft. All that and more coming up on Fan Appreciation Night. Sabres win the finale, 3-2 in overtime. I'm Brian Colesio. More from KeyBank Center in a moment. This is the Buffalo Sabres Radio Network.
here at KeyBank Center. Brian Colzio with you. 3-2 Buffalo in overtime. Don Granado now taking his way to the podium. Here he is live. To get it together and, and come together. Yeah, I, I mean, a credit to, to Karski was really good. Um, really good through the first two periods when we when we needed him. And we did need him, you know, various points in those periods until we we found some emotional energy and some, you know, some pace. We were... We struggled the first two periods. We just didn't look like ourselves. We looked like we were low energy, and um, they found that we dug down in the third. The, the, our guys did, and um, it was uh, something I felt they, when you look at the season um, and our culture and, and what we want to build, I, I thought it was a, a good reward for our guys to, uh, you know, hopefully symbolic of, you know, you, you, you're – you're going into an off season. You don't want to end it on a sour note, and you find something within to come back in that game. You give up a goal in the lead again, and you find a way to get back in it. So, uh, real good, real credit to our guys. I was real happy for them for that reason, and um, fun, fun building, fun atmosphere with the fans. Don, what was the third period? You guys took over, you know, at a certain point. I think shots were 19 to whatever they were, 19 to four. I think over overtime and regulation, uh, third period, but. What was it like just seeing the belief in the group, you know, the resiliency? Spectacular. Yeah, yeah. spectacular to see them take the game over. Um, you know, I mean, you have shared some some things I mentioned to the guys in between periods, and that was a, going into the third period. You know, I said a couple little things and, and, and you know, uh, not even challenge them. said, you guys know you have to take over. You have to take this over. And you know you can, and, you know, throw the first two periods out is not what we wanted. Uh, but they did. You know, we, we tweaked the lines a little bit. We put Tuck back with Tom, with Thompson and Skinner and a couple of different things. And, and uh, I've mentioned that a lot. You got to be able to interchange. And these are the moments that you have. To, these are the moments that I want. You know, I want to make sure everybody plays everybody because when when you get in those moments and you can shuffle lines, it does give a, a surge. Uh, it gets guys out of their head a little bit. And I thought that was the case in the third. They they fed off those changes and uh, embraced it and uh, really went to work. Yeah, another incredibly special night. We've we've had so many special nights this this year with, you know, the, the celebration for RJ earlier. Obviously, tonight is last call. Um, you know, the, the Heritage Classic and, and so many other exciting games. Um, but yes, it was incredible night from from uh, Malcolm doing Malcolm Subban doing the anthem. Uh, I think our guys were were and I was as nervous for him as at any point in the game. Uh, that he, you know, that he does it right because everybody cares about him, and, and uh, we, we knew that was a that was something uh, uh, probably a pretty good adrenaline surge for him. And then obviously RJ and the fans, uh, you know, rekindling, you know, what Sabers are all about to be part of that again as a as a team is awesome. Um, congratulations to Kyle Ocposo for a great year and, a, and an award there, and um, pretty special night all around. With the way the game was going, were you a little more talkative in those first two periods than maybe you normally are behind the bench? Yeah, that's, uh, you, you know, you, you try to, I guess, talk and push through what you need. And, and so I was saying to them just, you know, more effort without the puck, more pressure on the puck to kind of get aggressive, you know, get us playing more aggressive. But no, I wasn't, I don't think I was... I don't know if I was any more talkative. I, I, I like just simple messages and, and keep it simple and, and push. And you know, again, I, I thought our guys were trying the first two periods. We just didn't have it. And um, you know, 
when you face in that 20 minutes, it's sort of like they, they went in and dipped into the reserves and pushed through it. But no, I don't. I wasn't going crazy behind the bench. You know, at the start of the season, Don, you guys, whether it be you, Kevin, or the players, spoke about winning the fans back. I think in a big way, the last two months, you guys did that. What does that mean to you and the organization as a whole? You know, I, I mean, for me, yeah, I, I can uh, recollect, uh, you know, as a kid, just wanting to play the game and the love of the game, whether it be outside in the wintertime on a pond or in the backyard or, you know, in the basement or, and then, you know, uh, I grew up in a family of six kids and can remember getting my older brother I loved the game of hockey, so did he, and I got pounded every day, when, but I wanted to play the sport. And, uh, you know, so when you, you grow up as a young kid, like all our players do, and that's what you love, and then you come to a place that also loves that, uh, it is pretty special. It's a pretty special. So, you know, for, for, for us to be part of this community, which is a hockey community with history, uh, is, is spectacular. It, it, it's motivating, inspiring, and, um, you know, you've to... to we could only hope to win people to love it the way we do, and, and that's why you know I try to create an environment we do that our players play and find that passion to play. And we know that uh, if we can play that way, uh, the, the building will feel that way. And if the building feels that way, it's going to be really special. So we're still building, uh, but I do love what our guys move toward that uh, this year. Coach, we talked about building up the culture. What was that like for you mentally? Yeah, you, you know when you're when you coach in the number of years I've coached, you you, you uh, for me I really try to just stay in the moment, read and read and react. But it's you know through through years of experience, it's it's natural, and I I just want to keep making our team better. I just have full confidence and, and experience that if you know if Middlestead gets better and Thompson gets better and Skinner gets better, the the, the collective whole of all of that is 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 unbelievably powerful on, on many different you know uh, from the skill standpoint to the emotional you know the passion all that so you know for me it's I, I've and we'll always stay on that we we need to find ways to get better and uh, you know you go into tonight's game doing that we talked about as coaches even this morning it's our last game but let's try to let's work on these two things to make us better so um, it's I, I stay in that moment, but yeah, the, when you have a night like this, it's it, it makes you feel, you know, you you get to sit back and see the entirety of maybe the work these guys do, and it's so enjoyable. Thank you, Don. Yep, thank you, guys. All right, that is Sabres head coach Don Granado following a three to two overtime win. We bring it back up here to the press box. Brian Colziel with you. We'll get to Paul Hamilton in just one moment, and then off to draft coverage with Jody Biasi here as the Sabres close out the regular season tonight uh, in a overtime win. Injury report brought to you by Losey and Ganji, Buffalo's workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys working hard for hardworking Western New Yorkers. Well, no Kyle Oposo tonight, no Craig Anderson tonight. They were the injuries, but for Oposo, a, uh, a special moment. You heard it there, the players reacting to it. He wins the Rick Martin Memorial Award well-deserved award for Kyle. It's for his dedication on and off the ice and on-ice performance and commitment to the community. And I think uh, Kyle Oposo for sure, for sure, deserves that award. 
And, I mean, if you just listen to what Casey Middlestead said about him, you listen to what Don Granado said about him, you listen to what other players have said all season long about his leadership and what he's done. Owen Power said he was the first one to invite him out to dinner when he arrived in Tampa to join the team for the first time. I mean, Kyle Oposo, a true leader on this team. And, let's face it, this is a business. The hockey side of things, is he earning his contract, was always sometimes an issue with Oposo. Well, this year, for sure, he did. He ends up on the season with over 20 goals. 21 goals for Kyle Oposo this year. Third on the team, only behind Thompson and Skinner. So, not only does he have such value in the room, at practice, on and off the ice, in the community, representing this franchise in such a great way. But, yeah, he was third on the team in goals, too. So uh, definitely earning his contract here uh, as the Sabres, as he still has one more year on his deal. So got to imagine, uh, barring any sort of like retirement news, which I don't think I'm expecting, uh, that Oposo will be a part of the Sabres next year. How about Middlestat saying, this is the most sad he's seen has been to see a, a Sabres just to see us season end, and I think probably a lot of the players in the room are thinking that way. That just how good that they finished the year. You want to kind of wipe the slate clean and say, "Let's go." I mean, for sure, it is a uh, it's it's a great feeling, but also one of like, okay, for two months you've played in the upper half of the NHL. How they played in March and April. If you played that over the course of the entire season, you would be a playoff team. They did it for two months, and they did it against a lot of impressive and playoff team, a lot of impressive opponents and playoff teams. So, what they did in March and April, if they can play like that next year, they'll be in the playoffs. Doing that though over six months, that's something that this team has obviously not done for what would be going on next year, the twelfth season. So we'll have to see if they're able to follow that up. To me, still the biggest storyline going into this offseason, what will GM Kevin Adams do with the goaltending situation? The Amherst won tonight. Ukopeka Lukanen, though, did get hurt. And a um, you know tough break for him, although the Amherst did get a win. What will Lukanen be? Will Anderson come back to play another season, or will he retire? Uh, we know the two college goaltenders are both returning to college, so... A real interesting spot for Kevin Adams to be in with a lot of cap space. So if he wants to spend money on goalie, not that I'm advising to do so, but I'm advising him to make sure that the goaltending situation is taken care of for sure. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get Paul Hamilton's take, and then we'll hand things off to Joe and Nate for NFL draft coverage. Okay, we have Paul now, so we're going to keep keep it here. Okay, Paul, a uh, a nice script to end the season I was talking about it earlier, and then Don Granado uh, brought it up too. In the big moments this year, and there haven't been a ton of them because of just how the season's played out, but in the big moments where this franchise has struggled to live up to it, this year they actually came through. A night like tonight, the outdoor game, the Eichel return, RJ night. Sometimes you have players that love these moments and some people, some players that shy away from these moments, and it seems like they have a collection of players that – don't mind being in this in these big moments like tonight. Well, they were just stuck in mud for the first two periods. Uh, the passing wasn't good. That's probably as poor a passing game for those 40 minutes as I've seen them have in a long, long time. Passes were behind everybody. It just wasn't working for them. But they've learned throughout this year how to stick with it. 
And okay, we're not playing well. We don't have our game yet, but we still have a full period to go find our game, you know, and and we know if we get to our game, we're going to be fine. And that's exactly what they did. And, you know, they dominated, what was it, 14-4, to four, I believe the shots were in the third period, then 5 nothing in the overtime. So it's 19-4 to four are the shots, you know, when you turn it on for the last 23 or so minutes. Uh, depend, I don't remember the time of the overtime goal. Uh, you know, and, and you're able to come from behind twice and win a hockey game. And it just was fitting that Rick Jenneret gets to go out on an overtime call. I mean, if we would have sat there but as the game started and you would have said, what would be the best scenario for RJ? And I would have said, well, if he got to call an overtime win, an overtime goal, I mean, that would be perfect. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. I mean, uh, the hockey gods were smiling down on the Sabres and, and RJ, and he got to go out calling an overtime goal. Yeah, it was a pretty cool moment, Paul. And for the first two periods, the Sabres were definitely sluggish. Don, uh, Don Granato said how he was happy that Tokarski kept a minute. And they seemed to get their legs and their energy going in the third. The crowd was trying to really, like, will them. I think that I think everybody was aware of that they were tired from the game yesterday and just kind of saying, come on, come on, let's go here. And then they got it going. And obviously in the third, they were the better team. Well, I had somebody tweet me. So I can't at the end of the second period. I can't believe they're going to go the final two games and not score a goal. And my response was, well, the three games before this, they scored 15 goals in the three games. It just sometimes happens. Well, they did wind up scoring three, you know, two in the third period and one in the overtime, you know, to get the victory. So it's like another overreaction that you get some on social media. It's like, well, they're not going to score tonight. It's like, well, you know what? There's still 20 minutes left. I know they haven't been great in this game, but, uh, you know, there's still time uh, to, to get some goals, and they were able to do it and, and were able to win in overtime. So that's the sign, you know, uh, once again, a good sign for this team that, you know, they're figuring it out. You know, they are getting better because they're figuring out how to win games when they're not on their A game. You know, you would, you know, they were on their game, a game for maybe 23 minutes, uh, but they they certainly weren't in the first 40. But yet, they figured out a way to win a hockey game, and that's what good teams do. Paul, I want to thank you personally for another great year. This is my 14th year of wow. hosting the network. So yes, you've been stuck with me for a while, but um, <laughs> I know that. Uh, you and I have many conversations on the air, on the Sabres broadcast and off the air about the Sabres and other fun stuff, and uh, it's always a real treat. I know I always say that, uh, the you know, obviously coming to a professional sporting event to work is a pretty cool thing, but right up there is getting to work with you all the time. So thanks again. Thanks for being the star of our broadcast, and uh, I appreciate it, and let's hope that uh, we can all be back to kind of uh, be just as excited as the Sabres are next fall. Well, you know how much I love it. You know, when I didn't have it for those 10 months, it was like jolting because you don't get to do something you love. And, and, and uh, you know, it's a passion of mine. And it, it just I, I get so sad when I think to myself, the next time we do this for a regular season game, the Bills will be about six games into their season. And we'll be headed to the holidays starting with Halloween. You know, Halloween will be coming like in three weeks or something. And, you know, it just it's, it's sobering to think it's going to be that long. It'll come. Like, time goes by so fast, it'll all of a sudden be here. But it just is, you know, I think to myself, gosh darn it, you know, we're, we're going to wait that long before we get to see another regular season game. But 
Maybe the Amherst will make it, which will be good for me because then I can go watch some playoff hockey and watch some of the kids play, which will be fun. And if people are wondering, in order for that to happen, Toronto has to lose in regulation tomorrow. If that happens, Rochester is in. Yes. And the Amherst suffered an injury to UPL tonight. No update on what it is officially, just lower body. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll obviously monitor that if there is a playoff series. That didn't look good. His legs came apart as he got hit. Uh, they, the defenseman ran the guy into him, and he grabbed his hamstring like right away. So that did not look good. Yep. Okay, Paul, thank you as always, and uh, we'll chat soon. Okay. All right, Paul Hamilton here on the postgame. 3-2 the final. Uh, before we say goodnight, let's uh, go back to our Amber Studios, bring in Joe DiBiase. He and Nate Geary are going to be a part of our draft coverage taking over on WGR. And, uh, Joe, what's the latest going on here as we are, what, middle of round three right now? Well, Brian, we're at pick 84. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock, which means the Bills are up in, let me do some quick counting, six selections. Six selections. That math checks out, right? We're up pick yep. 84. We're up at 89. Uh, N'Kobe Dean, five. the linebacker out of Georgia. Thank you, five. Jeez. Uh, I mean, Brian, you're the last person I want to be not counting right in front of. 89 uh, minus 84 is five. Well, d- but you got it. We're good. Keep we going. Still, we still have 84 to go. You know, <laughs> they, they haven't made the 84th pick That's yet. right. N'Kobe uh, right. Dean. The gap in the picks or how many picks. That's a different, that's a different answer. But go ahead. True. Yes. N'Kobe <laughs> uh, Dean, anyway, the linebacker out of Georgia who many thought would be a first-round pick falls to the Eagles at 83. They just selected him. Uh, we still do not have Malik Willis being selected. He's pretty funny on Twitter right now, uh, making fun of himself. He seems to have a, a good – he's in good spirits. Um, but the Liberty quarterback that some thought could go top 10 is still sitting here in the middle of the third round. I have no idea when he is going to go. I'm at a point now where I'm wondering at what point the Bills would do that to have their career backup quarterback for Josh Allen because it's getting stupid how fall, how far he has fallen. Um, but the one position we talked about last before uh, at the uh, end of the Sabre game, Brian, was offensive line. And there's only been two offensive linemen that have been picked since we had that conversation. So I'm still thinking that's the likeliest outcome for the Bills uh, at 89. But they really could go. They could go any any different way here. Yeah, I agree. All right, Joe. Well, from what I've been told, there's quite a bit of traffic still right around KeyBank Center. So you got a, right. a lot of people will be listening. I know you and Nate got uh, coverage taken over here in a few minutes. So thanks again. Yes, sir. Thanks, Brian. Okay. Joe and Nate coming up. Sal out of the stadium. They'll continue with the NFL draft coverage here coming up. Hey, uh, before I say goodnight here, just a couple of thanks of my own. First, again, to RJ. Very, very cool that uh, I've gotten a chance to work with a legend in the sports broadcasting industry. So congratulations on 51 awesome years and a uh, fitting finish to have the OT game-winning goal for the Sabres tonight. Also, the crew that uh, performs 82 quality broadcasts, uh, we just talked to Paul Hamilton, as we said, the star of the show. Uh, you may not agree with every single opinion from Paul, but Paul is passionate about hockey. He loves it more than anything, and uh, it's a real treat to get to work with Paul. Also, the crew that have been here at KeyBank Center quite often, Pat Malacaro, who's been our lead producer here for many, many a games. Pat is uh, on his Bison's play-by-play duties tonight, but uh, kudos to Pat, as always, uh, for doing such a great job and uh, even filling in for me on the few games here that uh, I haven't been able to host. Brother Jonathan Cozio, thank you. He has been up here with Pat all season long as well. Back in our studios, TJ Luckman. TJ, it's been a pleasure this year. Good job at being our network producer all year long. Got to 
Got Thanks. a word for us here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love doing all the games that I'm able to do. Happy to be in this seat. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also thank uh, Zach Jones. Uh, we have Josh Schmidt. We have Kyle Powell. And we have Corey Griswold, who all stepped up this year when I wasn't able to do it. So thanks to those guys, too. Yeah, they uh, they all filled in for a game here and there. So uh, congrats, congrats and thanks for them. And you mentioned Kyle. I want to thank Kyle Powell, too. He does a lot of our behind-the-scenes social media work. How about our engineer, Tom Matty? He has been a, done a phenomenal job putting up with uh, our questions and our late-night and our early-morning calls all the time. And the work here at KeyBank Center with uh, me turning around, looking at Tom, saying, I can't hear. That's too high. That's too low. And he fixes it instantly. He just... He's the man. So thank you, Tom Maddy. Our program director, Alan Davis, as well. And also big thanks to Sabres PR, uh, Nicole and Chris and Jordan and everybody over there. And, Chris, thank you uh, for your work here. Don Granado and Kevin Adams, by the way, too, have been more than accommodating to us throughout the season. So uh, thanks to them uh, for their help in trying to give us the chance to give you some insight on this hockey team. And the biggest thanks of all, you the listeners. 82 games deep. We're done. We'll be back in September uh, September for preseason hockey. Looking forward to that. With that, we're going to say goodnight to you. Sabres win it 3-2 to two in overtime. And my name is Brian Colziel. It's been a thrill to be with you for another year. But you're not done with me. I'm actually on tomorrow morning. It's 7 in the morning with T.D. Green from Lockport Country Club. So you got that to look forward to. For now, though, time out here on WGR. Jody Biasi. Nate Geary, lead the NFL draft coverage. Bills just a couple of picks away. Thanks for listening. Another Sabre season in the books. For now, Brian Colziel. Good night from KeyBank Center. Bring it up to LaFontaine. He gets tripped up, gets it to May, and over the line. He's May going in on goal. He shoots. He You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.